our lives at all times. There's suffering and there's blessing. And, uh, and so the, that's just the way the world is. That's the way our lives are. And so in the midst of what we're seeing in, um, in, in the Ukraine right now and other parts of the earth that are awful, there's also God is always on the move. He's always on the move. He's never not on the move. It's just where is he moving? And so I want us to pray for one of our uh, pastors right now. He's, he's actually as, is gifted as a prophet. And um, uh, Mark Calpersmith, those of you who don't know him. And so a f- few years ago, before COVID hit, he was down in Mexico. He and his wife, Shelly, uh, who oversees our women's ministry here at the church, uh, they, you know, Mark thought he was retiring. And I know this sounds like a cliche, but only, but it's not a cliche when it's actually happening. God, Mark thought he was retiring. And instead, he got refired rather than retired. And God came upon him in power like he has not done. Mark said, like, I haven't felt this way in like 20 years, but the Spirit of God came upon him. And all of a sudden, these churches opened up in Guadalajara, and they ended up in the midst of a revival down there, where you go down to Guadalajara, and you see Mark and Shelley's pictures on billboards in the city, right? And, uh, and so there's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people coming to Christ. Anyway, then COVID hit. Uh, but before it hit, Mark was invited to uh, talk at an AA leaders meeting, all right? So Alcoholic Anonymous was having 400 leaders come, no, 40 leaders come together, and Mark was up there teaching, and he was teaching on shame. And as he was teaching, a gal in the front row raised her hand, and she just confessed in front of everybody, I hate myself so much, I, I, I want to kill myself. And so then Mark starts ministering to her by the Holy Spirit. And uh, the gifts of the Spirit started to flow through Mark, gifts of prophecy and words of knowledge. And she got saved right there in front of God and all of her AA leader you know, colleagues. And then another one, and then another one. By the time they were done, half of the group gave their life to Jesus, okay? Yeah, so that was a few years ago. Well, they called him up, and he's down there right now, and they said, we have seven to 900 AA leaders coming together from all over Mexico, and we want you to come back down. That's where he is right now. But I got an email yesterday from Shelly who said, we misunderstood when they said seven to 900 AA leaders. Now, whoever could orchestrate or even think when you look in a church strategy, revival strategy manual, that God would do it through AA. You know, we didn't see that one coming. God's God, right? And so we misunderstood. It wasn't seven to 900 AA leaders. That's just the in-person crowd. She said it is being uh, uh, virtually watched by 50,000 AA leaders all throughout Mexico. Come on, come on. All right, so let's pray over this, okay? Hey, Francisco, you're from Guadalajara, right? You're from Mexico, right? You're from that, that country right south of us, right? Shut up. Come on, come on, let's pray. You come up here and, and pray, pray for Mark and, and for your homeland. My wife is. Okay, where, where are you from? I'm from Mexicali. Oh, okay. Can I have somebody else, please? Somebody else? <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Let's go. Father, you remind me of a vision that my wife had not a long time ago, where fire is spread around Mexico, Lord. Your blessing, your, your revival. And who would have thought, Lord, that you would do this in this way, Father? Mm. Mighty God, gosh, I know why you are sending Mark, because he knows how to strip out himself and depend upon you. He's depending upon you, Lord. So we pray for that anointing, that blessing.
God, that you, you, Lord, translate, translate into all these people that is touched right now by you, by your Holy Spirit, Lord. This is the dependency that we have, Lord, in you, in your anointing, in harmony, Lord, in harmony with you. In Jesus' name, Father. Yes, Lord, and we pray. Amen. We pray, Lord, for a sweeping revival to hit Mexico like it's not been seen in centuries, God. We pray for hundreds of thousands of people to come to Jesus through leaders in AA being born again. Yes, Father. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Were you done, Francisco? Because I jumped in there. I thought you were done. I think I'm done. All right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you're waiting on a prophetic word or something. Amen. All right. Okay. Now we can go on with the uh, regularly, uh, regularly scheduled program. So we have uh, been in a series called None Too Far. And that is there's not one human being on this planet too far for the reach of Jesus. And Jesus does not want anybody to perish, but for all to be saved. But we don't just like to teach in our church. We like to hear what Jesus is actually doing in real time because he's always doing something awesome in the earth. And so every Sunday we like to have testimonies of what the Lord's doing. So let's welcome up Phil Williams as he comes and give his testimony this morning. Uh, correction, it's not really my testimony um, because John told me I only had five minutes, so I, I had to think of something else. Uh, my testimony is a lot longer than five minutes. It actually is, ooh, that didn't go well. <laughs> actually is a testimony of Marcelino Quijada, right? We call him Q in short. He's an old friend of mine. And um, he, he just was reminded of me recently. And I, I just want to start with a prayer over Marcelino. So, Father, as a church, we just bring him up, lift him up to you, Father. And we ask that you spark your relationship with him, Father, and that you remind him of the story that I'm about to share and in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. So, um, Q worked with me when I had a dealership back, you know, years ago. And it's funny because we both agreed that he had to go. All right. He wasn't an asset to me whatsoever. He was pretty much just taking a paycheck. And he was good enough to recognize that. And we both agreed that he had to go look for another job. So, he did. He went, and, for, and I told him, I'll wait till he gets a job before he can go. So um, he then was looking, and uh, we were in the truck together, and he was just letting it loose, right? He was letting me know, look, I'm real frustrated, you know. I've had so many interviews, so many, you know, I've been trying really hard, and I can't get a job. You know, I feel like a loser, you know. And so I was just driving, and I told him, have you tried this guy named Jesus? You know, he goes, what do you mean? You know, just accept him in your life and let him run your life and see what happens. You, you know, you have, nothing, you have nothing to lose. You know, if nothing happens, you're still the loser that you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's really what I said. I'm not making that up. And it was the Holy Spirit, right? So then he goes, okay. So we prayed, and he accepted Jesus in his heart. And I looked over, and he was crying. He was crying, and I said, why are you crying? 
And he looked at me and he said, man, I just can't believe how much you love me. And, you know, for a second, I, I wanted to take credit for that love. You know, I want to say, uh, you know, but it really is God's love that he's feeling. Yeah. So I told him that. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just a, we're in a truck and I'm rejoicing and I'm thinking the angels are jumping up and down in heaven. And, and I'm like, well, now that you've done it, you know, let's just wait. And the Lord did not waste his time. I'd say about five minutes, his phone rings. Wow. And he answers. <laughs> and it was a job offer. And we're just like, yes, look, you were a loser. Now you got a job offer. <laughs> right? And we're all rejoicing, and his phone rings again. Wow. And it was another job offer. Oh, my gosh. That's when I said, wow, you were a loser. Now you got a problem. You got to choose between the two. So God is so good. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm a businessman. And as far as business is concerned, I want to just say this last thing. Sure. Before you have a startup or you want to, you know, expand, you have factors you have to write down, right, and considerations. And one of those is failure, like complete, utter failure. Like, lose all your investments. You have to have that as a factor because if you don't, then your decisions are going to be so conservative that it's going to eventually lead to the demise of your business. There's got to be risk. So when it comes to evangelism, I'm preaching to myself too. We have to think that way. So when you try, you might fail, but you never know you might succeed as well. So, Amen. Way to go, Bill. You know what I love about that is the incarnational truth of the gospel into your specific niche in life. So you're a businessman, and so you look through that lens and you see God in that way. I've never heard evangelism applied to, to uh, business startups. That's pretty darn good right there. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church. If you are uh, joining us online for the first time, welcome to our online community. And anybody here who is here for the first time, uh, it's good to meet you. And uh, I want to jump back into our series that we've been in now, None Too Far. How many of you want to see more of the power of God manifested in the church, in your life, in your home, in your business, wherever you go. How many of you like literally want to see that? Like the manifest power of God. Okay. So this week I had a dream that I was sitting in our church and it was probably, I don't know, 10 times the size. And I was sitting back in the, on the aisle for some reason. And I got up to conduct the service and I could not get out of my seat because I was pinned in my seat by the presence of God. As all of us were. I believe that the Lord is communicating to us that he is coming in power because we need him to take over. We need him to take charge. We, and we, we need not be afraid of his power. We've seen what our power can accomplish, and it's not much. Now, the hum, human power is powerful. God has made us powerful as human beings. And today I want to talk to you about the power of unity because the Lord's, what he's doing right now is the restoration of the church for the salvation of the world. 
it's not just the restoration of the church that we can be healthy and happy. That's really useless because our life is a vapor. It's just temporary. And then we leave and then the baton gets passed to the next generation and then they get to lead the church. Right now, the church, who we are right now, the leaders and the people that are in the church are literally going to set the trajectory of the church for the next generation. What we've come out of and who we now emerge as is who the church is going to be for another generation or two. That's why Jesus right now is restoring us. He's restoring his church. The last couple of years have been devastating to every industry, including the church. And the way that we have ripped each other apart, and you've heard me talk about this. But the Lord right now is restoring his bride. And we are going to be brighter and more powerful and stronger and wiser and deeper. And our reach is going to be farther than ever before. And that's not hyper-preaching. That's prophetic. So I want to talk about the power of unity. We see this in the natural. Like I was watching an Olympic rowing team the other day, right? These guys are amazing. And gals, depending on if you're you know, watching the gal sports or the guy sports. And they, you have eight guys in a in a, uh, a boat, and they are all synchronized, man. They are like, everybody's doing the exact same thing. And you got, you got the coach. Well, it's a, it's a guy or a gal that sits in the, in the front, right? And they're facing each other. All the rowers are facing. And this one is guiding with the rudder and encouraging the rowers out there all in unity. You ever, you seen that? You seen the rowers? Isn't that amazing? And how fast they get going. It's captivating to watch their unity. The church is like that. When we are all rowing together in unity, and then you have the coach, which would be the fivefold ministry, you know, you doing the rudder to make sure we're keeping the boat on mission. We're on point. We're going the right direction. But everybody in the body of Christ is rowing together. We will be unstoppable. I mean, in the natural that's pretty impressive. When you see anything in the natural, a football team that's in sync, a rowing team that's in sync, you see a company that's in sync where the CEO all the way down to the, uh, the newest employee that all are speaking the same language. They have the heart of the corporation. They clearly see the vision. It's called a corporate culture. I mean, you spend, there's billions of dollars spent on corporate culture because of how powerful that unity is uh, a home that has peace that has unity everybody's on the same page everyone's loving each other a music band i was i majored in music i mean i used to lead worship i mean it is it is awful right pastor josh when you're trying to lead you know whether it's a congregation or people at a concert and the band's out of sync and the drummer's like slowing it down or speeding it up i'm a drummer and so i I'll usually i'll warn the band leader i'll say look you need to be nice to me because i can ruin this thing easily because the drummer is the feel of the whole band right but when a band i mean there are times when i play with a band when i used to and it's right we're in sync we are in rhythm we are one i literally laugh out loud while i'm playing the drums i've always done it i don't know why there's so much joy in that unity this unity is so powerful in the human race that there was a time in human history where human beings decided they were going to unify without god 
Do you guys remember where that was in the Bible? In world history, what, what was it? The Tower of Babel. It's where Babylon uh, ended up uh, having its empire. The Tower of Babel, right, in uh, Genesis chapter 11. And so human beings decided, because they were one language, they had one heart, one vision, we are going to build a tower to the heavens. That's humanism. We are going to build our empire independent of God. God saw that from heaven and said, because they are one, listen to this, nothing shall be impossible to them. Without God, nothing is impossible to the human race if they are unified. How much more when the church is unified under the authority of God? We will have the spirit without measure. We will be the most powerful entity on the planet. That is why Satan, Satan knows the power of unity. And he understands the power of a unified church under the authority of God. One nation under God, indivisible, right? The founding fathers understood the power of unity under God. But again, that's a natural entity. The supernatural entity is you and I, the church unified under Christ. Watch out. That's why the early church was so powerful. We're going to look at that in the scriptures today. They were one and they were under the lordship of Christ. That's why the Bible says they turned the world upside down. Raising the dead, healed. You wonder, where's the power? Where's the power? Where's the power? How many of you have ever prayed that prayer, heard that prayer prayed, thought it, or said it? Come on, raise your hands. How many? Where's the power? Where's the power? You know what Jesus is saying? Where's the unity? Where's the unity? Where's the unity? This is why it is so critical for you and I to overcome our offenses. I've told you this before. Being taught to be easily offended is the demise of the human race. It is also the demise of the church. The Bible says it is to a glory of a person to overlook an offense and that love covers a multitude of sins and that love does not keep a record of wrongs done to it because that'll just rip you apart. When you and I decide, now, here's the thing. Here's the two choices we have. There's so much at stake here. There's so much at stake here. Jesus said that our unity, I preached on this last week, so I won't re-preach this. Jesus said our unity is proof to the world that he's the son of God. You see, the world needs to know that unity is possible and they need to look at the church and say, and there's where you'll find it. Jesus said your unity, and I've given you the glory that God gave to me, I've given it to you so that you can be one. So we have this supernatural thing that enables us to be one supernatural. He says, your unity will prove I'm the son of God. Your love for one another will prove that you're my disciples and your unity will enable you to have the presence and the power and the spirit of God without measure. Nothing will be impossible to you on the earth. We see all these promises in the Bible and we wonder how come they don't manifest. It's all connected to our unity. I'm going to show you this scripture real quick. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people, everybody say God's people. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in what? Unity. Unity. 
It is like the precious oil. Now, oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit, the anointing. The precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. Aaron in the Old Testament was the high priest. Jesus is now our high priest. The unity of God's people release an anointing that starts from the head of Christ and comes down onto his body of believers. Satan knows this. That's why he tries to divide us. You see, the proof that Jesus is the Son of God, our unity, the proof that we're the followers of Christ is our love, and the release of the Holy Spirit without measure through our unity is, is what Jesus is trying to do right now. The other option is we can just stay offended. We can, we can nurse our wounds and our hurts. We can reduce it down to my, my individual offense. And you disconnect from other believers. Get, disconnect from the church. Or we can decide that my personal wounds and offenses are not as important as the salvation of the world. Not as important as the unity of the body of Christ. Not as important as the anointing of God flowing down upon the church and saving the world. So we can get the heck out of here. Right? So we can go home. So Jesus can return. Can I hear an amen yet? We need to see there's a much bigger picture. And there's much more at stake than our personal issues. It runs down over the collar, down his robes, which is the body of Christ. It is as if the dew from Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord commands, bestows, some translation says, commands his blessing, even life forevermore. So the mountains of Hermon are above the mountains of Zion. And when it snows and then it melts and it flows down into Israel, and that's how they get their resources. The unity of the church releases the presence, the power the provision and the fulfilled purposes of God in the earth. The unity of the church releases the presence, the power, the provision, and the fulfilled purposes of God in the earth. That's why Jesus' very last prayer was that they would be one, fathers, you and I are one, so the world may know. That is why Satan's number one agenda is to divide homes, divide marriages, divide parents and kids, divide churches, rip us apart. That's what he does. He's he's a divider. Jesus is a uniter. Whose page are we going to be on? God began this in the Garden of Eden. He made Adam and Eve, or he made Adam in his image. Then he made Eve in his image. Those two, Adam and Eve, reflect the glory of God. Then they have children, and you have a representation of the Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, husband, wife, children. So he, he, God's a family, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're one. And so he, he um, created us in his image, husband, wife, child, as a reflection of his glory. It's like looking in a mirror. And so, and then Adam and Eve become one. My wife and I have found power released through our unified prayers more, far more than our individual prayers. Now, each one of us have seen pretty amazing things happen when we've prayed individually from one another. However, when sometimes something won't happen or something won't move or we need something beyond our individual prayers, when we have found when we come together and we are in unity, it's amazing what happens. Uh, one time we, we needed twenty thousand dollars. 
because uh, we had no money. We had no money in the bank. We had just pioneered the church and we were renting a house. And I had a prophetic word at the uh, beginning of a new year that God was going to restore dreams that have died in your heart. Well, my wife believed that that was from the Lord. That's how you know it's a prophetic word. When the pastor's wife says, I believe that was the word of the Lord. That's when you really know it was the word of the Lord. And so I get home from church and she was gone. She didn't leave me, but she was gone for the afternoon. And she came on. I said, where'd you go? She goes, I was out looking for houses. I said, what? We have no money. There's no money in the bank. She said, I believe what God said through you this morning, that he's going to restore dreams that have died in our hearts. And my dream was to own a home in Southern California in San Diego, but there, there's no way that that can happen. And so that dream died in my heart. And so she uh, went to our, 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 a friend of ours who was a money manager here in San Diego. And she asked him, you know, how much money would we need to, for a down payment of a home, whatever, is $20,000. Uh, what kind of a CD would we need to buy and how long would it take to mature? Which was really an irrelevant question because we had no money. Uh, but he told us. And so, and we ended up going to his house for Christmas. And we, I remember we were talking about it. Well, my wife and I realized that there was, there was no way we were going to ever get 20 grand. And so we agreed in prayer. It was like 10 days later, I get a phone call from my friend who's a money manager here in San Diego and said, uh, Hey, John, how's it going? I said, Hey, it's going great. I said, uh, you got 20 grand for me? I was just, just joking around. Hey, you calling me because you got 20? He goes, no, but there was a woman that walked into my office that said that the Lord spoke to her to give a pastor $20,000. And he said, well, who, 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 what a lucky pastor. Who's that? She said, John Ator. He about fell out of his chair. I had not seen her in 10 years. She, she was part of a singles group that I was a pastor of in East County 10 years earlier. She didn't even know where I lived. She was driving down Wildcat Canyon Road up in Ramona, God's country, where God speaks to people. She was driving down Wildcat Canyon Road and God spoke to her, give Pastor John a tour $20,000. How incredible. And we had somebody in our church that uh, after I gave that testimony, I didn't see him for a few weeks. I called him up and said, hey, I've seen you in church the last few weeks. Oh yeah, we left the church. Why? Because we thought it was wrong for you to ask God for $20,000. And without even thinking, I said out loud, well, he could have kept it. He obviously didn't have a problem with it because he gave it to us. They came back. They realized that the religious thinking was putting God in this tiny little box rather than letting God be God. Amen? I'm going to get in trouble when I get to heaven for asking too much. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can I still come in? Right? I'm not going to get caught asking for little. I mean, small prayers offend a big God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's what I always get. Well, 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 yeah. Why didn't you ask for more? There's another great prayer of agreement. And we're talking about agreement, right? We're talking about unity. I, I'm way down, like, toward the close of my sermon already. Though I'm not closing, so don't get excited. But I'm way down in my notes about, about the prayer of agreement. Here's another testimony. Because I'm talking about unity. Jesus said, where two of you agree on earth, right? You remember that? Where two of you agree on earth. He's talking about his church, his people. He's given us these, these portals of power on the planet. And one of them is the prayer of agreement. If two of you come together in unison, that word agreement is the word symphoneo, which is where we get symphony from. When two of you come together in symphony, you're as one. You can ask my father 
anything that's in his will and he will do it. Mm. It's kind of like Ghostbusters. Remember Ghostbusters? Remember that the original Ghostbusters? Not this new thing came out. The, how many of you remember the original Ghostbusters movie? Come on, I need to know who, how many people I'm talking to, right? Okay, remember they each had a stream of power, right? Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, right? This guy. And, and, and you got that demon up there. Uh, some chick that came down from somewhere. I'm sorry. It's not that it's a woman. Oh, God. You got to be so careful these days. It was, it was a demon. I don't know their sex. They were... They were, they were... All right, thank you very much. Edit that out, please. All right. So here we go. They each have their, their beam of power, right? Coming out of their guns, right? And it wasn't enough. Remember, it wasn't enough. And I remember Dan Aykroyd told them at the beginning of the movie, don't ever cross the streams, right? Yeah, thank you very much. Don't ever cross the streams. But their individual power was not knocking out the demon. So he said, let's cross the streams. Like, you said we should never do that. And he said, well... I miscalculated. He lied. So they crossed the streams. And when their streams came together and became one, boom. That's fantasy. This is reality of what I'm talking about. When you have another believer in Jesus who will symphonize with you, who will believe and agree that's in God's will, otherwise you're into witchcraft and new age. It's got to be in God's will. The agreement of believers submitted to the authority of Christ, filled by the Holy Spirit, praying God's will, it literally, it's like a beam from the throne of God into the earth. God's will is done. Can I hear an amen? amen. Okay, so another example of that. My daughter, who was trying to get a, uh, a scholarship or um, trying to get a scholarship to go to college, and she needed her, her SAT score to be a certain amount. In fact, I texted her to make sure I got this right. She's at Point Loma Nazarene University. She's a junior right now. And uh, I texted her to make sure I get this testimony accurate. And she needed her GPA to be a, <clears throat> at a certain number. She had a 1270 the first time she took it. Um, she needed it to be 1430. That's a big jump. 1270 to 1430. She took it again and she got a 1370. She still needed it to be a 1430. She took it again. She got a 1360. So she went down. And she was telling me about it. She's like, Dad, I really feel like God's called me to go to this university, but I need it. And then I said, let's agree in prayer. Because we believe it's God's will that you go there. She and I, she's a Christ follower. We agreed in prayer. And of course, she did her part. She did the study and she did the hard work, but she'd already taken it three times and it's nowhere close. And she said, I said, she goes, I need a 1430. And I said, why don't we ask God for 1450? But let's put it so far out of reach that, and, and a specific number, I love specific praying because when you pray specific prayers and they get answered, God gets more glory, Right? And so we prayed for a 1450. She went and took her exam and I got a text. You know, you, got, you guys know what I'm, you know I'm going to say, right? I got a text after her exam, 1450. Wow. 
My wife was hired. Uh, she worked for the Defense Department uh, as an epidemiologist here in San Diego. And they, uh, she was part-time. She was being paid $45,000 a year. And they said, when you get your master's, you will get paid seventy. And she got her master's and they didn't pay her seventy. And then that company lost the contract. So another company came in and there was a new company with a new contract. And she was the low gal in the totem pole. And so everybody else got their new contracts renewed. And she was going in to uh, negotiate. And she said to me, as she left the house, she said, there's no way they're going to pay me the 70000 that the previous company had promised me that never paid me. One, because I'm the low person on the totem pole. And two, because they don't owe me anything because they haven't promised me anything. Uh, and all the money, I'm sure, has been dispersed by the time I show up. I said, okay, well, let's ask for 80. Let's ask the Lord for 80. Because that way we know it's him, right? We prayed and agreed. I got a text from her that afternoon. Do you know what the text was? They offered me $80,000. Prayers of agreement release the power of God in the earth. Okay, so I'm going to give a quick, because I'm running out of time, and I've just done my introduction. Okay, so. I want to show this prayer of agreement very quickly through the scriptures. I'm going to like skip a rock across theological water right now. All right, here we go. Second Chronicles chapter five, 13 and 14. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as what? One. One. To make what? One. One sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with, with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord for saying, he is good, his mercy endures forever. Josh, I was like, I, I was recognized today how you kept hitting the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of you kept having to sing that over and over and over. And I couldn't stop thinking about the first scripture or second scripture in my, in my uh, sermon today, that when they lifted their voice as one and declared who God truly is, God doesn't answer the phone if you're calling the wrong number. You're not faithful. You're not good. You're not true. You weren't there for me. God doesn't answer that phone. That's not his number. His number is he is good. He is faithful. He is righteous. He is true. He is good. He is holy. Right? Right? That's who our God is. So they lift up their voice. You are good and your mercy endures forever. When they did that as one, the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. God's presence comes through unity of his body. That's why you got to get over the masks and the non-masks and the backs and the non-backs. And who's the president and who's not the president. And what, or or the, the, the racial wars or whatever is going on. You and I as the body of Christ need to recognize who we are and get up and out of those battles. You can pray into them. You can have your opinions. But you can't fight. Especially with other believers. It's ripping the body of Christ apart. You've got to recognize what's happening there. There is someone behind the scenes moving us to destroy one another. And it's not Jesus. We are to love our and our neighbor and ourselves and somebody, somebody, enemies. 
Oh, I forgot about that part of Christianity. Yeah. We got to, Paul said, we are not ignorant of Satan's strategies. I'm very passionate about all these issues, but I'm more passionate about the unity of the body of Christ. I'm going to move us to the New Testament, Chris. I'm going to jump the scriptures to go to Acts 2, 42. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves. This is the early church. The baton's in our hands. This group of people, they've already done their job. They ran their course for good, bad, or worse, and now they're in heaven. Their turn's over. Our turn's going to be over, but it's our turn right now. So let's look at how they operated in power, and let's copy them. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of of the apostles and the, everybody say fellowship, fellowship. We're going to look at in a second, the eating meals together and the prayers, a sense of awe was felt by everyone. That's what I felt in that dream when I was pinned in my chair and many wonders and signs attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed in Jesus as savior were together. Everybody say together. Come on. And had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. You see, when you try to do this through government overtake, that's where you end up with communism. If you look at the word commonality there, that's where you end up. Uh, You can't force this kind of unity. This unity was produced by the Spirit of the living God revealing Christ to these people that all just got saved and they were looking at Jesus and his heart was filling their heart. And they looked at their brothers and sisters and they're like, Oh my gosh, you have need. And I got more than I need. It was out of love and volitional giving that the church was unified and operating in this kind of power. You can't legislate that. You can't legislate people's hearts. You can't make people do the right thing. But the church, we're supposed to be the brightest light on the planet the most compassionate, benevolent institution in the world because the love of God is flowing through our hearts. And all those who believed in Jesus together, they all began selling their properties and possessions, were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. Day after day, day after day, day after day, they met in the temple uh, and continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually, having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. The word fellowship there is the word koinonia, unity, communion, sharing, a society. The individual sharing an intimate bond of fellowship with the rest of the Christian society. Now, that word fellowship is, means more than like two fellows in a ship, right? It's not just a, it's not, it's not like you know, Friday night volleyball in the park, like we do sometimes in the summer. It's not, you know, just sharing a meal together on a Friday night, going to someone's house and, and let's just hang out. Let's have fellowship. This word fellowship is used over and over in the new Testament. Three places it's used. One is when Paul said, I will koinonia with the sufferings of Christ. I will share in the sufferings of Christ. It's a deep intimacy, oneness. Paul said, I am sharing in the sufferings of Christ as they're whipping and beating Paul. It says that the Macedonian church 
When the Jerusalem church was in a, in a drought and famine, the Macedonian church, Koinonia, shared their money with the Jerusalem church. The, the, the Macedonian church had nothing in common with the Jerusalem church culturally. They had one thing in common, Jesus. And it was out of that koinonia that they gave to the Jerusalem church. And jo- the apostle John said, come and join us in our koinonia with the Father, the Son, and with one another. The word koinonia literally means cemented together. Like you ever gotten super glue on your fingers and you're like, oh, no, right? You got to get acetone and try to get your fingers apart, right? That is what koinonia is. We are to be cemented to Jesus and to one another. And Satan is the acetone. Acts chapter 4. I'm going to bring us to a close. And being let go, they went their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders said it said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Everybody say one accord. And he said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. Signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. That unity. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who were of one heart and soul. Are you guys getting the message today? Am I saying it loud and clear? Main and plain. One heart. One soul. One mind. Neither did anyone say that any of the things they possessed was his own, but they all had all things in common and with great power. There it is again. Presence, power, provision, fulfilled purpose. We see it in all these scriptures that I've shared. All of them. All of them. Unity brings the presence and the power and the provision and the fulfilled purposes of God. And great grace was upon them all. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and one place. Suddenly there was a rushing sound from heaven and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This not only applies to church gatherings, but your marriage, your homes, your business, your partnerships, your friendships. Wherever there is unity, wherever you go in the kingdom of God, wherever you are, you find another believer. And you, man, that's why Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. It wasn't just for emotional support. It was for release of heavenly power on earth. Satan knows this. this is why James says this in the book of James chapter 3 15 and 16 for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom such things are earthly unspiritual and demonic for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every kind of evil that's why Paul when he's talking to the church we're a spirit-filled church he's talking to the church about how to operate in the power of God, he talks about unity. Watch this. He says, Therefore, believers, desire earnestly to prophesy, to foretell the future, to speak a new message from God to the people, and do not forbid speaking in unknown tongues. But all things must be done appropriately and in an orderly manner. Now, now, charismatics think order is like from the devil or something. As though God is not a God of order 
I mean, look at the galaxies. If they were in disarray, we would all just be dead. Jesus is the architect of the church. That's when people say, oh, I can have church at home. Well, okay, where's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher? Who are the deacons? Where are the elders? Paul said, put elders in every church that we have been to, right? There's, there's, everybody has a, a gift of the spirit for the benefit of all. How can you exercise your gift if you're not in church with the body of Christ? And how can other people's gifts minister to you if we're not one? The, the church is, is a family. We're made up of relationships, And it's through those relationships, the body of Christ, the bride, that the Spirit flows. He says this in 1 Corinthians, For God, who is the source of their prophesying, is not a God of confusion and disorder, but of peace and order. Now, I'm going to tell you where our unity does not come from, where our unity does come from, and then we're going to come to the Lord together this morning. And we're going to submit our hearts to him. And we're going to commit our hearts to one another. Right? And you on the online community, if you're part of the body of Christ, we're going to commit, submit our hearts to Jesus as the head of the church. And we're going to commit our hearts to one another. That there's offenses and anger and all of that that distance you from God and from his people. This is going to be a moment of healing for you. Because the Lord is restoring his church. And you are a part of that. He wants to restore you back into his body. I'm telling you all, I'm speaking by the Spirit of God. Jesus is restoring his church right now. And we are going to be more powerful than ever before. You have to decide whether you're going to be a part of that or not. Jesus has one plan. Plan A is the church. He does not have a plan B. The bride is the church. And Jesus, the Spirit of God, say, come. Jesus always works through his church. So whatever issues you have with the church, you got to get over them and come back home. If you want to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. So what does not unify us? You guys ready for this? I wrote this down. I made it rhyme. So that's how you know it's from the Holy Spirit. You ready for this? What does not unify us? Our skin color, our age, our gender identity, or our rage. Our friend group, our in-group, our enemies, or our frenemies. Where we were born, where we were raised, our history, or our ancestry. Our economic status, our marital status, our social status, or our social media status. Our level of education, our political affiliation, our corporate position, or our material acquisition. Our personalities, our rationalities, our commonalities, or our man-made philosophies. None of these things are what unify the body of Christ. What unifies us? Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Therefore, I, the prisoner for, the serv- for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is, you guys read this out loud with me, loud and proud. Come on, church. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord 
Come on, church. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through you all. Galatians 3, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Our unity, church, is found when we submit to Jesus and commit to one another. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I want us to come to the Lord in our response time. And it's time to draw a line in the spiritual sand of your life. It's time for us to draw the line in the spiritual sand of the church. Myself and Miles McPherson and Robert Herbert of All People's Church and a couple other pastors are once again calling together as many pastors who will come around San Diego uh, in just a few weeks. We've done two of these already, and we've had a lot of pastors show up because the body of Christ needs strong, spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, hopeful leaders right now. But we also need the same from the body of Christ. That's you. That's you. Let's just give Satan a black eye by unifying. We're drawing the line in the sand and we're, we've invited um, some of the pastors that have served God for over 50 years in San Diego. And we've asked them to come and be on a panel and ask us, talk to the pastors. Because the church is now going to set the trajectory of the church for the next two generations. Starting right now. Are we going to love each other or are we going to hate each other? Are we going to love Jesus or have our hearts grown cold? Are we going to stay on mission, going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every person? Or are we going to fight these fleshly, earthly battles and rip each other apart? What are we going to do? Who are we going to be? Who, what's the world going to see when they look at the church? So we're calling these pastors to come on a panel and talk to the pastors of San Diego. How did you do it for 50 plus years? You've seen your wars you've been through your battles talk to us because we need to be strong and courageous in this hour and so do you church of the lord jesus christ so i want you to just close your eyes and come to the holy spirit right now because this takes every person that calls themselves a follower of jesus christ you're a soldier in the army of god you are a member of god's family you count you matter to the unity of the body of Christ so ask the Holy Spirit this question right where you are what do I need to do to submit more fully to Jesus just ask him that question and then just listen to what the Holy Spirit will say to you what do I need to do right now to submit more fully to Jesus
Okay, now I want you to look at me for a second. If you feel like you got something that the Lord just spoke to your heart or mind, will you raise your hand and say, I feel like the Lord just spoke to me? As you look at that, about half of you. Now you need to do whatever that was. I'm going to ask the question again. Just ask the Lord this question. Say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do to submit more fully to Jesus? Okay, now ask the Holy Spirit this question. Say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do to commit more fully to God's people? Maybe it's laying down petty grievances. Maybe it's indifference to the body of Christ, to the church. Holy Spirit, what do I need to lay down to submit more fully, commit more fully to God's people? Now, how many of you feel like you got something from the Holy Spirit there? Just raise your hand. I got something from the Holy Spirit there. Awesome. Now we need to do that. As they lifted their voice to God as one, the glory of God filled the temple. May the glory of God fill the church again. As we submit to Jesus and commit to one another. Josh, lead us in worship as we close out our service.
take what the enemy you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good applications today and we're going to close one is my hope is that you recognize whenever you're talking to another believer in particular and you have a difference with them that you remember that your unity with that person is more important than the issue that's dividing you because you are part of the body of Christ and your unity is what releases heaven on earth. Your disunity is what releases hell on earth. You're part of something much bigger than yourself. Secondly, God is unifying his church. The presence and the power of God has been increasing in our fellowship over the last few months, like tangibly. And one of the reasons I'm bringing this message is because I'm going to see more miracles in our church. And so that's why we have prayer teams at the end of every service. They're going to be in the back because the speakers are a lot up here. So we're going to now start having them in the back. We're going to have a couple that are going to be wearing masks in the back over here. For those that are more comfortable being prayed for by people with masks on, they'll be right back in that section. These prayer teams are, are ready to symphoneo for you. They're ready to release heaven on earth through oneness, through agreement, one faith, one God. They're going to expect miracles to happen for you. So if you need a miracle, you need a breakthrough of some kind, you need healing in your body, then go to one of these prayer teams as they pray for you. Other than that, be nice. Okay? In Jesus' name, amen.